Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. There's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Hello, friends, and welcome to The Secret Podcast with Sixth Sense Media and Service of Change. It's the show that challenges reality, questions at which we've been taught in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change. We make the paranormal feel quite normal and the supernatural quite natural, and that's exactly what we aim to do once again on this episode of The Secret Podcast. It feels like I have not been on the air for months, and I just missed one week. Last week was just uh, it was the holiday weekend. I was exhausted. I actually sat down getting ready to do the show, and my brain was just mush. And I said, you know what? It's a holiday weekend. I had so much going on. We were traveling out of town. I had to take the week off. My apologies to all of you out there. I'm sure that you all understand. We all have things going on in our lives, and sometimes we have to put the things we love doing down and take care of other things in the world. It's been an interesting uh, couple of weeks. There's some interesting stuff going on in the news. Uh, A new report came out, uh, an alleged leaked report. I think George Knapp broke the story from the Pentagon um, and Bigelow Air talking more about the Nimitz Tic Tac UFO sighting. Really interesting stuff going into more detail about the capabilities of the of the craft that they saw on that sighting. Uh, I'm going to break that down uh, a little bit closer toward the end of the show. Lots of things that I want to touch on. Uh, I'm looking through my notes here. Some experiences that I've had in over the past uh, couple of weeks that I want to get into a little bit, talking about our own intuitive and psychic connections. Uh, I've been doing some a lot of writing, trying to get uh, food for the archons done. I was going to do an update on that. Let me see if I can pull that up while I'm talking to all of you. I'm not very good at multitasking when I'm doing the show. Uh, and I have some some news articles. The Farsight Institute has just released their predictions for June. Uh, very interesting. Some very scary stuff may be uh, coming up in the month of June. I'll talk a little bit about that as well. And also at SixthSenseMedia.net, Ray is still killing it. Some great articles. I want to talk a little bit about what's going on with North Korea as inspired by an article written by uh, our very own Ray Davis. Uh, but So let's see here. Last week, I want to get into it. I want to talk about auras. And I, for those of you that follow me on was it Instagram, and I think I did, I put something up on uh, the Sixth Sense Media group at, on Facebook as well, just talking briefly about this experience that I had. Um, but, you know, I've talked about it before. I, I see auras. Now, it's not all the time. It's not 24-7. And nine times out of ten, I have no clue what the heck they mean. Now, I've gotten, I'm getting a little bit better at discerning what they are. But it's it, it you know it's I can't look at someone and be like oh your left hip is hurting you because you have something wrong I, I like I can't do that but I can say it looks like you've got something going on in this specific area because a light will usually pop out around a certain spot and then I can kind of probe and ask questions and and go from there um, but I'm not at the point where I can discern colors and say oh this means you're in a good mood this means you're in a bad mood I'm trying I'm trying to learn so I've been meditating um, quite a bit and. Excuse me, as I'm looking for the, what I wanted to read to, you all, to all of you. I've been meditating quite a bit, and I reached out to. Um, if you remember when I talked about the Reiki experience that I had, and I f- I felt the two beings come in the room and stand next to me and start doing weird stuff to my energy. So I had that experience. I've been during my meditations trying to reconnect with whoever they were, 
um, and asking for guidance and saying, hey, I want to learn to use these abilities um, in greater in a greater capacity. I want to be able to to help people. Um, so that's what I've been focused. One of the things I've been focused on. So last, oh, my daughter, my daughter was sick again. I don't even remember the days. I'm not going to go through all the details, but let's just say there was projectile vomit, and I got hit several times. So I, I burned, you know, some days from work to help get her better. And finally, we we're like, you know what? We got to take her to the doctor. She was just, she seemed a little bit emaciated. She's a very high energy kid, and she was just kind of sitting there, just staring. She wasn't eating. She wasn't drinking much, and. She's just over a year old. So as a parent, you get a little bit scared. So we went to the doctor's office. And her, her doctors are great. You know, they have a, a holistic mindset, which I love. Um, you know, they're not trying to push pills and medication down our throats all the time. So I went to the doctor's. And I'm talking to him, telling him what's going on. He's saying, yeah, she's just got a stomach virus. She's going to be okay. And he's telling me, just give her bland foods, bananas and stuff. But as I'm talking to him, his aura popped out. And again, this happens from time to time, and I just kind of look at it and try to interpret it and understand what it means, and and the and I go based off the feelings that I get. Now, the color of his aura was a smoker's yellow, and I remember thinking, that seems a little bit weird to me. Um, a doctor who seems like he's pretty healthy and knowledgeable of, of health, true health care, has a smoker's yellow aura because my first impression was, I think that means he's sick. Um, what I've noticed now that I'm more open to trying to understand them, instead of trying to pin a meaning to a color, I'm trying to pick up the vibration of the color as far as how that color makes me feel, if that makes sense. Um, so I, I just felt like, oh, this feels kind of sick. Maybe this means he's sick. But I, I, I still don't have enough courage to be like, hey, doc, I see your aura. Are you sick? Uh, it's it just I'm not there yet with total strangers at least. So I, you know, I, I noted it and kept it moving. We went home and started nursing my daughter back to health and eating the bland diet, and she's getting better. Two days later, I had a real estate appointment, and it was it was weird because my clients started pulling out. I've, I've taken these people out several times, and the last minute she pulls out this one house, and I'm like, this house is not going to work. It's not what you're looking for, but okay, we'll go see it. And then it complicated. You know, the listing agent tells me. Well, it's occupied by a tenant, so the tenant's going to let you in. And that's just a, it's just an extra step, and it's just not always as comfortable. You want an empty house to bring your clients into, and you know the house is going to be messier, and, and so just this whole whatever. So we get there. The guy opens the door. He says, hey, yeah, hey, how you doing? Come on in. Real nice guy. And he says, just so you know, we have a lease till November. We're not leaving before then. Well, my clients are looking to buy a house ASAP. So I knew right then and there we were wasting our time. There was no reason for us to be there. And I'm thinking, all right, let's be nice to this guy, but let's get out of here because we've got other houses to see. And it's a holiday weekend, and I want to get home to my family. So nice guy, real nice guy. He's sitting on the couch, and my client's talking to him, trying to get as much information about him in the neighborhood as he could. I understood you know, what he was doing. And just in casual conversation, well, I'm sorry, before the casual conversation, I looked at the guy, and his aura pops out. Now, the guy's got a big wad of chewing tobacco in his mouth. He's spitting it in the cup. He's got about three or four kids running around the house and this aura pops up and I noticed it's the same exact color as the guy, as the doctor at, at, at my daughter's doctor's office. It was this ugly smoker's yellow. And I went, huh, that's interesting. And he keeps talking, keeps talking. And the, the guy mentions, he says, yeah, I'm in remission right now. I had cancer this past winter, which is just a few months ago, but now it's in remission. My first thought is, why are you still chewing tobacco, dude? My second thought was, oh my gosh, there's a connection there. 
I've been asking to try to better understand how to read these auras, and I've been shown the same aura twice. Now, I can't say for sure that my daughter's doctor has cancer or is in remission, but I am pretty confident when I see an aura of that color or of that feeling, it indicates some kind of sickness, maybe something serious. Um, you know, I will see that doctor again. I'm hoping I can elicit that type of information. You know, I don't know that he's going to share that with me, but uh, my first hope is that he's okay um, and gets taken care of. But, uh, you know, I, my intuition told me that that was set up for me. We went to that second house for the purpose of me seeing that man's aura and hearing that, um, you know, he was sick and fortunately in remission. And that's the weird thing. You know, it's like a, a chess game. Whatever drives these lessons has a broader perspective of how it's going to move pieces around on this chessboard to get me to learn the things that it's lear- that I'm learning, I guess. I, I don't know. It makes, makes you wonder. It really makes you think. So that was my, my aura story. And in keeping with the spirit of intuition, just last night I went out on a run. Uh, I've been getting back into running. It was a long winter where we couldn't really get out much. And last night, I, you know, I just, I was really stressed out from the week and I said, you know what, I'm just going to go for a run and let my intuition, wishing guide me where to run. And I started getting this feeling, this intuitive pull on the inside coming out of my chest going, run this way, go that way. And I passed my normal route and kept going. And I decided I'm going to run further than I normally run. And I'm not running much right now, one, maybe two miles, uh, just because I'm getting back into it. So I'm pushing that, I pushed beyond that boundary and I'm just running to the back of the, I live in a community. It's like, it's a vacation community. So right now it's empty. So I get to the back of this community and it's so quiet. It's beautiful out. And, you know, I'm just noting that there's nobody back here. And literally right in front of me is the state game land. So it backs up to just, you know, a couple miles of woods. I'm all by myself. And, um, I said, well, I feel like I need to keep going this way and turn left down the street. I don't know if I'm going to encounter someone or something, but in the past when I've had these feelings, I've run into something or something has happened. So I'm preparing myself for some kind of lesson or encounter, and I turn left on this street. I stopped running at this point. I'm walking just to see what the experience is going to bring me, and it was, it was kind of weird. It was a beautiful night, but it was a little bit foggy, and down the street is a man walking right towards me. Again, it's completely empty in this area. Um, There's nobody here, but yet here's a guy, just like me, he's a little bit older than me, walking down the street. Now, it's 7.30, 7.45 at night, so it's getting dark. He's wearing very dark sunglasses, has a completely shaved head, and he's just walking towards me. So I'm a little weirded out. I'm like, all right, what the heck is this? So I walk up to him. I'm walking, as I walk past him, and say, evening, sir, how are you? And he's just real quiet. And then he looks at me and says, well, it's not raining anymore. I said, yeah. I said, thank goodness. I said, it's a beautiful night. He says, I don't know about that. And he just turned around and he kept walking. Now, initially I thought he kind of resembled um, somebody I know who has recently passed away. That was the one connection I initially made. It could have been nothing. What gets me, though, is that consistently when I follow my intuition, I usually run into something. I, I don't know. Maybe I just sensed that there was another person there and it was pulling me that way. But I, and maybe I'm trying to make something out of nothing. I don't know. That's why I'm sharing it with all of you if you have any thoughts on it. Um, 
then as I'm running away, you know, my, my brain starts, you know, putting in its own interpretations where the craziness starts coming in. Well, he was wearing dark sunglasses. He had a shaved head. Maybe you'll get home and it'll be like five hours later and you actually encountered like a gray or something and you're going to have all this missing time. I didn't have any missing time or anything. It was nothing crazy like that. But those thoughts did go through my head just because the way I was driven to go that way and then the fact that I ran into some guy walking real slow and kind of creepily back there just caught my attention. So I'm sharing this because I th- I want us to continue to to take these spiritual risks, these intuitive risks to learn, to learn our own inner voice, to learn to listen to it, to learn what is our intuition and what is our imagination. There is a difference. And that, and I'm continually doing this. It's a muscle that we can refine and make better. So I'm sharing that with you. I'd love to hear your stories and your experiences, your successes and your failures, because we can learn from all of them. If you want to share it with me, send me an email, successmedia.net, get in touch, and I can share it on the air so we can all learn and grow from this together, because I think we're capable of using this for so much more. I'm going to go through the Farsight predictions real quick. Uh, Again, I'm just going to give you a quick snapshot. I'll have the links up in the show notes and newsletter and everything for you to check out on your own. I highly recommend it. Um, Top three stories. They they did five stories. Top three that I can remember right now. Um, One, you know, the new viewer he looked at, he said, it looks like some kind of rocket failure. Um, He says, I know NASA doesn't do launches anymore, but it looks like some type of setting like that where a rocket exploded in the air or came down, didn't make it. Uh, I know Elon Musk is launching a lot of stuff. So, Look to the news for that to see if that prediction comes true. They also, um, I don't know if it was Melina Hall or it was Princess Janae. She did a viewing and it looks like a, a major war. She was seeing paratroopers. She said it's either U.S. or Israeli or a combination in the Middle East. People jumping out of planes, big trucks. Looks like some kind of major war, according to what she was viewing, um, is coming into the Middle East. Again, look at the data you know, and draw your own conclusions. But we, we may be witnessing another war front coming up. I hope it doesn't involve us. Here's another piece to that. May be connected, may not. Now, the caveat to that, Courtney Brown said that he disagrees with Melina Hall's analysis of this target. The target looks to be an assassination attempt. Now, what Courtney Brown says is that he says, I assure you, national security advisors or whoever watched this show and they will take this threat very seriously and therefore most likely be able to prevent an assassination attempt. Melina Hall said she viewed what looked like an assassination attempt and she suspected it was within the United States. She says it felt almost like New Orleans or some other place, um, or a- I'm sorry, an actual assassination. She says there's a lot of shootings and bombs and whatever. Courtney Brown saying there's no way that can happen because our intelligence is, is too on the ball and they will prevent that from happening. So maybe it's going to be in another country. Maybe she's just flat out wrong. Those are pre three pretty big uh, events to look for in the upcoming event. Now, here's my thing with remote viewing. It's, it's large scale. Right now you've got three, four viewers, three viewers that are predicting news events for the entire world. So it's tough to pin down what country is this, who is this person. But if you have a viewer or a team of viewers in every town and every community, your radius is so much smaller and you're intimately familiar with that neighborhood because you live there and you work there and you evaluate it all the time. So when you do your predictions a month out, you can say, okay, 
I recognize this building. It's going to get damaged significantly in a storm. Make sure nobody's there because I'm seeing lots of loss of life. And you can start to change course. This is a real tool that we can be using. Now, again, you're starting to play with time and change history. Uh, what are the consequences of that? I don't know. But this could be a tool that can save lives. You could say, oh, I see a terrorist attack coming. Let's let local law enforcement know them because now they take it seriously. They see the accuracy of these results. We're predicting stuff before it happens and preventing it. That could be phenomenal. It really could be. All right. That's my remote viewing piece as I'm dropping stuff all over the place. My apologies. Let me pull up my my internet here, and I want to talk about a story that, that Ray Davis shared on the Sixth Sense Media website here. SixthSenseMedia.net. Check it out. This article by Ray is called Why I Support President Trump's Attempts at a Peaceful Resolution in Korea. I didn't even have to read the article, and I, I feel that I'm already in support of the, this action. And I've been tracking it in the news and what's going on. And there's been some banter back and forth. And I know President Trump had canceled the summit with North Korea um, because Kim Jong-un had bad-mouthed somebody. I forget who. I, you know, I haven't been too up on it. And Trump said, I'm not playing ball that way. I, in my head, and I should have spoken up about it, but in my head I thought to myself, Trump knows exactly what he's doing. He's a chess player. And by him saying, look, this is not how this new relationship is going to work, North Korea is going to come around. And they did. Today, a former spy, one of their special envoys to North Korea, was at the White House to personally deliver a handwritten note to President Trump about, you know, let's make peace and move forward. So his strategy is working. And everybody's – let me, let me go back. I am not a Trump supporter. I want to make that quite clear. And it, it, it sucks that I even have to say that in this day and age, but everybody is just so damn sensitive. I feel like I got to give that caveat because if I don't, then people are going to say, well, Nappy likes Trump. He must be racist. And that's, I don't even want to go down that road right now. But that's, that's the sickness that we've got going on here in America. I'm not getting into that. All right. So I want to read a little bit from, uh, from Ray's article. Uh, let's see. Our unmatched power since World War II and this lesson have made us rely far too heavily on military solutions to problems in the world. Only the track record is checkered at best. And he has a list here. Korea ended in a stalemate and left us this unresolved conflict on the Korean Peninsula. Vietnam, years of bloody war and painful divisions in the United States, end in loss and hurried withdrawal from South Vietnam. Iraq, we broke Iraq and created a garden to sow radical terrorism that has led to more chaos, not less, in the region. Libya, we broke this country as well and left it a failed state and another hotbed for radicalism. Syria, providing we didn't learn the recent lessons in Iraq and Libya, we continue to pursue the flawed Middle East strategy, creating more chaos and refugee crisis that has created discord throughout Europe. Russia, after winning the Cold War and having an opportunity to work together with our former adversary to create peace and stability in the world, the military-industrial complex decided to build bases surrounding Russia uh, that have helped to create a lingering threat of conflict between the two nuclear superpowers. Ray says, by any measure, this track record should be should viewed as a failure. Rarely have we achieved our goals. Often we have created a situation worse than what preceded it. Finally, we've even lost all pretense that we do it for any noble purpose. Now we just do it because we, or certain allies, don't like your leader or how you run your country. I want to leave the rest of this for you guys to look at and, and listen to, but I, I feel going through, I'm going to summarize my own feelings on what Ray's saying. 
what's the harm in pursuing peace? Now, you're going to give people that have the rhetoric, and this is what Ray says as well, that you can't negotiate with somebody like that. You just got to hit them hard, hit them fast, and take them out. You know what? I commend anybody that is trying for peace, and, and people bad-mouthed Donald Trump when he became president, and they said, he's going to bring us to war. He's going to bring us to World War III. You know what, man? North Korea was threatening nuclear war. They were launching missiles over Japan saying we are going to nuke the United States. They had propaganda video of Washington, D.C. being hit with a nuclear weapon. They were rattling the sabers for war. And guess what? It hasn't happened yet. Not saying it's not going to happen, but it hasn't happened yet. Syria, Russia, we've had all these issues going on. Now, we have taken some aggressive action, but we are still not engaged in war. I think that has to have something to do with President Trump. And again, I'm not saying I support the man, but what I believe is that President Trump represents this other faction that is against whatever agenda the old school cabal that involved the Clintons and what the Clinton agenda would have brought us into. He's dismantling that agenda. You know, and I was thinking today with uh, the climate change stuff, you know, he and I, I only saw a brief, like, two-minute Facebook video, so I have to verify everything. But just talking about how we withdrew from from the Paris, uh, with the Paris, um, oh, it's a bad night for me. The environment stuff, the climate change policies in Paris, I can't remember what it's called right now. How we pulled out of that, everybody was all up in arms about it, but I read a breakdown, and really all these other countries that were in it, it wasn't really doing much to help the environment. And Trump basically was like, hey, this is a waste of our time and our money. So we're not going to be involved in this because it's not really fixing the environment anyway. And that made sense. Now, again, I haven't read enough about it. I haven't read the other side yet, so please don't attack me over it. But that made sense to me. I think what he's doing is dismantling these stupid or these, they are stupid, but these agendas that the cabal has in place to brainwash us, to convince us of certain things, to ultimately tax us over things like this carbon tax they're trying to push on us, and to bring us into another state of war. He seems to be putting roadblocks in place and dismantling all of their efforts in all these different areas. He's a major thorn in their side. Now, I think he's He's struggled a little bit and he's fallen a little bit because he's got to have tremendous pressure on him. And again, just because I'm finding reason for some of the things he's doing or justifying some of the things he's done or even supporting some of the things he's done doesn't mean overall I support everything that the man says and does. And again, I feel like i got to keep making that caveat. because He says some things that are pretty horrible, but at the same time, I'm convinced he says them knowing the reaction he's going to get because the man's a chess player. I think some of the things he says are downright terrible. That doesn't mean the man's an idiot. That's my only point. All right, so <clears throat> I lost my whole train of thought here, my friends. We're talking about Ray's article at SixCentsMedia.net. It's been a long week. I, I think that you know I, I commend him for trying to pursue peace and if we could develop a peaceful relationship with North Korea, I think that's a wonderful thing. Um, you know, watch watch for the other forces to step in and try to discredit that or to just find a new enemy for the world to focus on moving forward. Quick news article that I want to share, moving uh, shifting gears here. This one came from National Geographic. 
I'm just going to put the links in the uh, in the show notes and at uh, sixcentsmedia.net and servicechange.com. New hybrid robot uses living muscles to move. It's out of Tokyo, um, and, and you know, in order for this robot to move, they actually have taken muscle cells from rat and regrew muscles and attached them in a certain fashion that now with electrical stimulation allows this robot to move. Now, presently, the muscles need to be submerged underwater, but again, this is new technology. Skynet, hello, cyborg, cybernetic organism terminated. I mean, this is the, the beginning. Uh, do I sound crazy or can we justify this in, in making a statement like that? They now have living muscles that are moving robots. You know, I mentioned on a previous show they're using cells from rat brains to fly flight simulators. So I go off a lot on the AI stuff, but we're, we're building machines that are integrating with biology and technology. I mean, we're, we're there. We're seeing it. And will there be benefits to this? Absolutely. If you can incorporate living tissue over robotics, talk to, show that to an, a person who's lost a limb. That's invaluable. That's amazingly um, powerful and beautiful and wonderful technology for them. We also got to look at the consequence of that. Will that be weaponized? Will that be turned into something else, something scary? Can we trust ourselves to regulate it, not to build the Frankenstein that's going to take over the world, the Skynet, the T2 the T or the T1000? That's what we need. We need good regulations so we don't have the mad scientists creating these things that could end uh, or lead to our demise. So I'll leave that so you can read that as well. Um, I'm telling you, man, fact is, is stranger than fiction. I mean, we're, we're moving into the realm of science fiction becoming science fact. We're already there, my friends. I've done, I'm not going to go through a whole show on that, but I wanted to at least acknowledge that. So let's talk some uh, some UFO stuff. You know, Ray hit me up tonight talking about it a little bit, and uh, I did a little bit more digging. Unknown Country has an interesting article on it, um, just breaking the story that George uh, George Knapp broke. I, I talked about this before. I highly encourage you. I, I don't know if I'm up to ten or eleven episodes right now that I have in a playlist dealing with everything from the beginning of when Tom DeLonge started running his mouth, saying, "Hey, we've got this thing coming out, and it's going to blow your mind," and and then the WikiLeaks stuff. Um, you know, I've been tracking this for a while. If you're new to it, go back, you know, look at Service of Change and Six Sense Media. I have the playlists in there, and it's in the secret newsletter. You can link to the playlist. It's right there. And go back and get caught up and find out what came out in WikiLeaks, what the Longs was saying, uh, and how all these pieces fit together. And one of the things we saw was that that I found interesting is that George Knapp is directly connected to Bigelow, and directly connected to basically the creation of the aerial threat identification program. Knapp knows Bigelow, uh, and then he they put each other in touch with uh, was it Reed, uh, Congressman Reed, or Senator Reed, who was behind the creation of the ATIP program in the Pentagon. George Knapp, it came I, I found out also was the voice of motivation and inspiration behind Colonel Corso, who wrote The Day After Roswell. Now, this is Knapp's niche, it's his genre, um, but these are two major stories that he has a hand in behind. And again, I'm not saying he's doing anything nefarious, but it's something we need to be mindful of. We need to know who the players are and how they connect and how they relate. So now, Knapp got his hands on 
um, a, a alleged leaked document from the Pentagon with more details about the Nimitz UFO sightings. Um, I, I printed out a copy. Now, listen, I went, I went to the actual source of it, and it came up as a PDF. And I said, all right, I'm going to download this, and then I'll have a copy of it forever. And before I click the download button, and this is just my, I don't know if this was my intuition or my paranoid brain. I was like, you know what? What if this is some kind of op? And they're releasing this document, and they want to see everybody who's going to download it. Because a lot of people will read it, but the people who download it are going to be people like me who are doing extensive research into it, people who are authors, people who are podcasters, people who could possibly be a a threat to the information or the storyline that they may be trying to put out. This is my counterintelligence brain working here. And I thought to myself... What if by downloading this PDF, there's also some kind of virus or malware or spyware attached to it? So I said, you know what? I'm just going to print it out. And I printed it out and I highlighted it. I like holding paper in my hands anyway. I just hate wasting paper. But I printed it out. Uh, and, and it's an interesting article. I'm going to get to this, uh, well, or this, this summary, I should say. I'm going to get to this in a minute. Ray sent me um, another article that I want to share with all of you if I can find it. Here we go. It's a Washington Post article. Uh, when's it, what's it dated here? It's by Dan Zach, May 30th, 2018, and it's titled, UFOs are suddenly a serious news story. You can thank the guy from Blink-182 for that. And it goes in, it talks about Tom DeLonge's history, and then it goes on to say that here, with his first record deal payout as a fledging teenage rock star, DeLonge had bought a computer to research the prospect of intelligent life beyond Earth. And after Blink-182 made him a fortune, he further indulged his fascination with the paranormal. He co-wrote a 700-page novel about UFO. He br- UFOs. He brainstormed a film about skateboarders who became paranormal detectives. He produced websites buzzing with stories about Bigfoot and disintegrating mummies. Now in his early 40s, with his music career cooled but his financial resources apparently intact, the launch has channeled those bizarre passions into his next act. And it goes through about what he's been doing now with To The Stars Academy and, and you know, a nice summary of everything that's been happening with that whole movement. And here's my thoughts on this. Now, I've already had some issues with, and I covered it in other shows, how I'm starting to feel that the Washington Post, more than the New York Times, even the New York Times has covered this as well, is becoming almost a mouthpiece to disseminate this information. Obviously, somebody with To The Stars has a contact at the Washington Post, and Washington Post has agreed to cover this story. But is this... Is this deceptive in a, in a way? Is this misleading in a way? And I keep coming back to the WikiLeaks stuff where DeLong was in touch with John Podesta. And what DeLong was saying was, you know, you let me get these books out and I will have the youth of America loving you. That's concerning. He was trying, no matter how you look at it, whatever his motivation was, that's manipulation. That's A statement like that is manipulative in my opinion. So I'm very suspect of some of these things that come out. The way this article reads, and the article says DeLonge was unavailable for comment on this art, on this story right at this time. Now, this guy is not unavailable for comment from the Washington Post on this on this baby that he's nurturing. He hasn't been doing too well with public opinion. I think he, you know, he's quick to argue and, and really looks kind of clueless when he gets into it on Twitter with people, uh, and, I, and he just seems really wide-eyed and overwhelmed and overexcited about the, and he's got very exciting information that he's dealing with. I just don't think he's a great front man for something like this, and I think he's intimidated as well. So I think that he's being, again, my opinion, 
I think he's being instructed to keep his mouth shut and kind of sit back for a little bit. And they're going to use an official stance like the Washington Post to build up his credibility. Because what this is, what the Washington Post is saying is, number one, to the UFO community, hey, Tom DeLonge is just like you. You know, he may be a rock star, but he bought his computer and he started websites and he wrote a book and he's trying to find truth and he's looking into all the weird stuff that we look into. He's just like you, except we don't have intelligence agents that are kind of manipulating our lives right now. Not, not that he extended his are anyway. But this just looks to me like a credibility piece to make Tom DeLong get him back in the good graces of everybody. Like, oh, yeah, you know, he's just a guy trying to, to, to find out the truth. Don't forget all the other stuff that we've been dealing with. Go back and listen to my other shows. My frustrations are still there. I'm not saying the guy's not trying. I'm not saying the guy's even intentionally misleading anybody. But I think there are some significant problems with that. So take this with a grain of salt. Be cautious when reviewing this article. It's not all, oh, Tom's a great guy and he's just trying to understand the truth like all of us. He's not on the same page of all, as as. Most of us, my friends, I, I don't believe that for one second at all. I think he's been compromised. With that being said, let me get to this executive summary, summary that George Knapp uh, released through his, uh, his Vegas publication. I'm just going to read some of the highlights here that I highlighted. I'll have the links to it uh, as well. Uh, maybe you want to be like me and not download it just in case you know they're spying on us. Who knows? So the dates were uh, 10 to 16 November 2004. And it was the Nimitz Carrier Strike Group. They were operating off the west coast of the United States. They are getting ready to deploy to the Arabian Sea. And on several occasions, they detected multiple anomalous aerial vehicles. These vehicles would descend, quote, very rapidly from approximately 60,000 feet down to approximately 50 feet in a matter of seconds. Now, I, I listened to a little bit more analysis of this on, I want to say, was it coast to coast? 60,000 feet is the highest that their radar or tracking systems is able to detect. So it could have been even coming from higher than 60,000 feet. But from 60,000 feet to 50 feet in a matter of seconds and then stopping, that's insane. That's very, very fast. Uh, and then it would hover or stay stationary on the radar for a short time and then depart at high velocities and turn rates. So then they started seeing this thing and uh, it was reported to be when the when the fighter the F18s intercepted it they reported it as quote an elongated egg or tic tac shape with a discernible discernible midline horizontal axis it was solid white smooth with no edges it was uniformly colored with no nacelles uh, i don't know what that is pylons or wings i'm sure they're fixtures on an aircraft it was approximately 46 feet in length the AAV did not take evasive actions or did take evasive actions upon intercepts by the F-18, demonstrating an advanced acceleration, G, aerodynamic, and propulsion capability. The vehicle did not take any offensive action against the CSG. However, given its ability to operate unchallenged in close vicinity to the CSG, it demonstrated the potential to conduct undetected reconnaissance, leaving the CSG with a limited ability to detect, track, and or engage the AAV. So they're, they're putting that caveat in there, and in an intelligence report, you do need to at least make that statement. I worry that they're trying to paint these things as a threat if they're actually not. I don't know what they are yet. Um, but this thing is moving way faster than our craft, and we've covered this before. So here's some key assessments here. The AAV was no known aircraft or air vehicle 
currently in the inventory of the United States or any foreign nation. So we don't know where this thing came from. The AAV exhibited advanced low observable characteristics at multi uh, multiplier radar bands, rendering U.S. radar-based engagement capabilities ineffective. The AAV exhibited advanced aerodynamic performance with no visible control surfaces and no visible means to generate lift. The AAV exhibited advanced propulsion capability by demonstrating the ability to remain stationary with little or no variation in altitude, transitioning to horizontal and or vertical velocities far greater than any known aerial vehicle with little to no visible signature. The AAV possibly demonstrated the ability to cloak or become invisible to the human eye or human observation. The AAV possibly demonstrated a highly advanced capability to operate undersea completely undetected by our most advanced sensors. All right. I'm jumping ahead here. There's a lot. This thing's 13 pages long. Uh, I encourage you to go read it. And it's telling the accounts of the different pilots that were engaged in this. Um, So there are things that I'm leaving out. Um, I want you to go back and look at this on your own as well. I'll have this in the show notes. But there's some things that I think are worth talking about. Well, it's all worth talking about, but that I want to talk about right now. The controller informed him to remain above 10,000 feet. So another pilot went out to look uh, and see what this was. And he saw something going on uh, in the water is what this is about. As he approached approximately 15 NM, I don't know what that stands for, from the AAV, descended through approximately 15,000 feet, he could see a water disturbance in the ocean surface. He recalled that the sea, the sea state was low, quote, calm. At approximately 5 to 10 NM away from the AAV, the controller told him to skip it and return to his operating area. Why would the controller tell him to skip it and return? I don't know. Since he was close, he elected to fly over the water disturbance to try to see what was causing it. The disturbance appeared to be 50 to 100 meters in diameter and close to round. It was the only area and type of whitewater activity that could be seen and reminded him of images of something rapidly submerging from the surface like a submarine or ship sinking. It also looked like a possible area of shoal water where the swell was breaking over a barely submerged reef or island. He overflew the disturbance and turned back to the northwest. As he was flying away, he could see the disturbance clearing and he could no longer identify the place where it occurred. He did not see any object or vessel associated with the disturbance, either above the surface, on the surface, or below the surface. (laughs) He also never made visual contact with the other fighter aircraft that were vectored to the location or the AAV. It is possible that the disturbance was being caused by an AAV, but that the AAV was, quote, cloaked or invisible to the human eye. All right, so uh, let me see if I have anything else highlighted in here that I wanted to talk about. So this thing, one of these things was underwater. Now, it's interesting. You know, I I think they say we've explored more of uh, the moon than we have of our own ocean. We haven't even explored that much of the moon. But, you know, there's kind of, I mean, anybody that watches the History Channel and the Discovery Channel knows that there's been many sightings of USOs, um, you know, these unidentified submersible objects. Uh, UFOs are are regularly sighted near bodies of water. They are seen sucking water up into the craft. Some suspect or speculate that water has something to do with the propulsion systems. That's highly possible. Who knows? Maybe the beings inside, if there there are beings inside, need water to survive in the aspect of they have to be fully immersed in it. 
you know, but but maybe these things, maybe they number one are from another planet, and it's a water-based planet, and they're they exist under the ocean, or maybe they are something that they say all life came out of the ocean. Well, maybe they are an advanced civilization that evolved in the ocean and we just haven't found them yet or we've found them and we haven't told anybody about it we haven't explored the entire ocean yet and you look at all the google stuff that somebody finds something in the next pass that gets scrubbed and they say it's ship tracks and there's some good analysis from the farsight institute debunking what the you know some of the anomalies that have been found and then the official story comes out it was um, ship tracks it was this it was that and farsight was saying nope and then they looked at what the target actually was Fascinating stuff. I think that was one of their Atlantis projects. So, um, obviously, there's some kind of cover-up going on. I don't know what it is. Here's my outside-the-box thought. Besides thinking maybe it's an underwater uh, civilization that came from Earth, let's think outside the box for a minute. Now, I've been doing a lot of reading and research on this being some kind of digital universe. It's a uni- It seems... I, I did a, a pretty good chapter on this in Food for the Archons that I've been working on. And if you look at the multiverse theory, if you look at Nick Bostrom's simulation argument and, and uh, many other arguments out there um, and some research, it looks like we're living in a simulation. Now, when I say that, I know it's easy to dismiss it, like, oh, you've watched The Matrix too many times, which is probably a true statement. But... When I make a statement, when somebody says we're living in a simulation, when I first heard something like that, at first I felt that it diminished my existence. It diminished my reality. It somehow made me less significant, less important, less fake because I was created. But what's the difference in having someone create us into a simulated system or having the belief that God made us in his image? Either way, you're saying that Something or someone made us. Our lives don't need to lose value. Our belief in our lives don't need to lose value just because we learn that we are a copy or a simulation because from our perspective, our lives matter. And we have value. And I think that's important to note. I think that's important to think about going forward because sometimes it seems like an abrasive thing. But I've got some some really compelling testimony that I've, that I've put into my book that makes a good argument that we may be living within a simulation that's within a simulation that's within a simulation within a simulation. And I've got stuff going back to the Gnostic texts all the way up through modern day talking about this. So I think there's there's a pretty good possibility that that's the case. So with that in mind... If our universe exists within somebody else's universe or is some kind of virtual reality, some kind of computer-based program, what if these craft, these Nimitz craft, are some form of interface from an external universe to ours? Getting more specific to the point, I'm thinking about the way they move. What if... What if these craft, you know, I'm looking at my computer screen. I have a white mouse pointer that I can move all over the screen. What if they're the equivalent of some kind of mouse to interface with our reality? They're using this mouse to move it around, to gather data, to connect connect things, to interact with our craft and observe them. You know, let's scroll over to this area of the world. And they scroll them over really fast and stop there. And then they zoom in and see what's going on. 
maybe that's what it is. I, I, I don't know. I've got nothing to back that up other than some kind of wild idea that just popped in my head at looking at the movements of it. These things could scroll like a mouse if there's some kind of external interface trying to interact with, with our system of reality. Again, that doesn't diminish the value that we hold for our own lives, and nothing can, nothing can diminish that regardless of what we're told or what we learn. So, all right, I want to go on real quick talking about um, what they said when this stuff is reported. Um, so they, they, they pass this on to their intelligence personnel on the ship. He says, he discussed the entire mission and AAV contact with uh, the carrier air wing intelligence officer. His name was blacked out. According to LCDR, and again, his name was redacted, he wasn't sure what to do. He also stated that they didn't take it seriously at first. However, they had absolutely no reason to question the report from a very experienced and well-respected F-18 squadron commanding officer. He added that they likely would have not given as much attention if it came from a lesser experienced aviator. He reported it to the commander of the air wing um, and also a highly, also name was blacked out, uh, a highly experienced aviator, but he did not take it very serious. He completed an email-based misrep. It was submitted via email because the F-18s were on a training mission. The email-based report included the FLIR video was sent via secure system uh, to somebody at 3rd Fleet Intelligence, their higher echelon command. Finally, he admitted and detailed uh, the high-level ridicule that the air crew experienced over the next few weeks. Uh, And then I'm skipping ahead again. He believed it was a part of a counter-drug operation based on the area of operations. That's almost as bad as swamp gas. Counter-drug has technology like that, even though it's no known aircraft. So, again, why wouldn't I don't understand why you wouldn't take this report seriously, I, I, unless you're intentionally debunking uh, and trying to discredit these reports as they come in. But I think there's some good information in here. I think it gives us something to think about um, you know, this report is one among many, 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 many reports. And again, I want to say that it's it's great getting an acknowledgement from the federal government and official status and things, but I still don't trust them. We we need, and I heard who was another another person was saying this. Might have been uh, it was Grant Cameron was saying this as well. We need to go back to the witnesses. Forget about the government. We need to go back to the witnesses that are willing to talk and share their stories and take a new look at it, take a serious look at it, and bring our top scientists to evaluate this information. There's something to it. There's consistencies in their stories. There's evidence, not just witness testimony, but there's implants and and scarring and and accounts. There's a lot of evidence out there. We want disclosure. In my opinion, it's already there. We're just waiting for the government to say, yep, it's true. It's not going to happen that way. We need to go back to the witnesses. I, I've said it countless times. If you've had an experience, I would love for you to be a guest on my show. We can make it anonymous. They don't have to know your name. I won't release anything about you. But if you've had an experience, I think it's important that you share your story with our listeners and, and with the world and hopefully inspire other people to come out. Because... Uh, you know, I, I want to talk about this. I'm going to be planning a couple uh, live Facebook um, presentations in the near future. And one of the things I want to talk about, and I'll talk about it again. You know, we hear people that are religious. They they follow their faith is based on a book that talks about ordinary people having extraordinary experiences. 
mystical experiences, divine experiences, paranormal, supernatural experiences. Well, throughout history, those experiences never stopped. Average people, myself included, as if you listen to anything I talk about on the show, and that's not saying I'm special. I'm like everybody else. We all have these experiences that point to something mystical or divine or spiritual, but for some reason that doesn't count because it didn't happen in the time 2,000 years ago when, when our spiritual texts were allegedly written and recorded. <clears throat> but these things are continuing to happen. We're continuing to make contact with these beings and these intelligences. Let's write a modern-day you know, new history, new Bible, new version of it. Here's what we're getting now. Here's what we're learning. And I suspect that is what's happening. We have so many authors talking about these things. If something bad is to happen or some, you know, there's some major cataclysm, these books will be collected and that could turn into the new, and I'm not trying to create a religion here, but in, in an attempt to understand, I don't think anything's changed. Looking back at the Nag Hammadi texts, you know, in, in some of the books that are in there, there's truth seers, Zostrianos. I did a, a pretty detailed analysis of the book of Zostrianos. He was, a, he was the first truth seeker, in my opinion. He was trying to understand reality, and he discovered multiple levels of reality. This, this text is over 2,000 years old, reporting on a story that's even older than that. I'm sorry, the text is over 1,400 years old. But it's reporting on a story that's even older than that. So we've had these truth seekers going back a long time, those of us that are on that same path, we're, we're one and the same. We just may have different interpretations of it given the, the norms of society at that time. So what I encourage you to do is share your story. And, and you know what, Ray, let's talk about putting a writing project together. If you're not comfortable coming on the air and talking about it, I, I want to put something together in writing. Again, if you want to remain anonymous, that's fine as well. Um, but I want to put something together. Um, just sharing these experiences that we have because this is something very real. Um, and when we listen to Washington Post and, and to the stars and former government insiders, we're getting what they want us to know. And I want to come back to my most important thesis that I started to show off with. Listen to that inner voice, that guide. If there's something good out there, that's how we're going to connect to it. You know, I was giving a friend some advice online last night. And, uh, you know, she says, I'm always asking for guidance. And I don't seem to receive it. And I said, sometimes that is the guidance. Sometimes we need to sit in that silence in order to find our own voice and find our own way because that's where the lesson's going to come from. It, you know, so many times I've asked, you know, I used to, you know, my book, I talk about how I'm searching for my Morpheus. I'm, I'm waiting to get that package in the mail with the cell phone that's going to ring and said, I've been waiting for you, Dennis. Here's what you need to do because you are the one. Well, that call's not going to come. And that's not a bad thing. But we have the power to find our own way, to be that trailblazer. And along the way, we meet other people at different stages of that journey. That's why I'm so thankful to have connected with Ray because he's on his own journey. And him and I have said, you know what? Why do we need to go through this by ourselves? We may not have Morpheus out there telling us where to go. But we have each other that we can bounce ideas off of and say, hey, here's, here's what I've experienced. Here's what I, I can hit Ray up with some wild stuff and say, Ray, I know this sounds crazy, but I don't even have to give that caveat anymore to Ray. 
and he can hit me up with some wild stuff. And I don't not consider like Ray sounds crazy because I get it. We're trying to understand these concepts and we're having these experiences and the fact that we go through it together. And that's why I'm inviting all of you. Number one, thank you for listening to the show. But to join in the discussions, we've got some great threads going on over at the Facebook page right now. Um, you know, the, the Facebook um, Sixth Sense Media Group. If you're not, if you haven't joined the uh, the private group yet, um, send me an email uh, with your Facebook, you know, name or whatever, and uh, I'll send you the invite to it. But just at Sixth Sense Media, Facebook.com slash the Sixth Sense Media, we have discussions going on there as well. But we're connecting with some great people, um, and we've all got some outside the box ideas. We've all got some different experiences, and, and it's wonderful because we're trying to find truth. We're trying to find answers. We're trying to make sense of this crazy world that we live in. And it gives me hope. It gives me hope that we're not alone. And my friends, we are not crazy at all. So keep searching, keep listening to that inner voice. That is about all the time I have, my friends. I hope uh, you enjoyed this show. I know I get a little long-winded, especially when I've been off for a week. So I hope it wasn't too boring at certain parts of this, but I think it was important to share all these things with you. Have a wonderful week. Uh, I plan to be back on the air again next weekend with a new show next Saturday night. Until then, I'm Dennis Nappy II. This has been another episode of The Secret Podcast, where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning. Keep open mind. (laughs) 